Are you ready to get peculiar? Welcome to Okashi and Pod. I don't even feel like saying the name of the show, Dawn. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> Sabrina, I feel your pain. Walked into a, a real <sighs> Debbie Downer. Yeah, like this is supposed to be our triumphant return because we were a little bit we were a little bit disappointed by episode 12 because it didn't really add it didn't really give us any kind of definitive ending for the series. Um, it didn't tie up any of the loose ends, really. And it introduced a bunch of more questions we had and kind of left us on a cliffhanger. We're, of course, talking about Wonder Egg Priority, uh, the show that we have been covering for this, this the fifth series on, one, on uh, Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends. And um, we watched the 13th episode, which was touted as a special edition. Um, it, they had an, they had like a month and a half to come up with it and, and execute it and bring it to the right, bring it to their standards. And they did not, (laughs) um, I don't know what the plan was originally. I don't know if they pitched it as saying like, oh, we're going to do a recap for half the episode, despite the fact that just three episodes or four episodes ago, we had a recap episode. Um, but I saw that it was like 50 minutes and I was like, oh my God, they might just pull it off. They might give us everything that we're looking forward to. And I felt the same way, the same way you are describing right now. I thought they might wrap up the series and I was so excited. And then I saw that it was a recap and I was like, oh my God, are they going to recap like almost the entire episode? And they almost did. There's only 20 minutes of new footage in there. It's, um, it's a short episode, even by that oh, its own like Wonder Egg priority standards. It's slightly shorter than some of the longer ones. It feels final. They do say that it's the end as the credits roll. Um, but there's certainly a lot of questions it left me with. And I... I was like, should I just pull out my David Lynch canary, like my David Lynch dictionary, dream logic dictionary to try to parse through what we saw and like just make this work somehow? Because there's a lot of stuff that to me just felt half-hearted, unfinished, unpolished on like the execution was, it felt intentional, but in some ways it also felt like they did whatever they could with the time they had. Like I heard the production had not even gotten to like final inking stages by the time there was three days left. So they, so you're, whatever problems they had, they can, they persisted throughout the production of this episode. This wasn't their victory lap. This was a poorly, a poorly conceived and executed epilogue. I mean, in hindsight, sort of obvious in some ways, right? Like when you and I, and we are going to dissect this episode, uh, saw it, we both expressed disappointment. I thought maybe with the extra time that they were given, they might have like gotten out of that tailspin and corrected the plane. But this feels like something that was made during the tailspin. It does. It it feels you. This is not going out with a bang. This is going out with a tremendous whimper. There is stuff I liked though, um, and it almost entirely has to do with the fact that, although I was excited to see what the, where they were going with the AI stuff, from the beginning of the series, I've always been more invested in the four girls and sort of their dealing with the trauma of losing people close to them to suicide. And this episode strangely gives us that kind of closure without addressing almost any of the bullshitty sci-fi stuff that they brought up. And in fact, brings up more of it and sort of ruins a character in the process. 
because it wouldn't be ruining the character if we had like another three or four episodes to deal with this like new development. But the fact that they reveal that Neidu is an AI of her younger sister, who is not her sister, but her, I guess, the person she was based on, Aidu, the fact that she is a robot doesn't really matter to her story. Like, it's not part of the story that I've been watching. So, to me, at the end of watching this episode, I literally thought in my head, what happened here is that we watched 12 episodes of a show, and they had planned for 24 and were cut short, and they decided to just throw everything they could into completing the narrative arc for the remainder for the last episode that they were granted. And so when you take six, 12, however many episodes of content and you cut it down to one episode of content, you invariably leave a lot on the cutting room floor. And and I think I, I agree with you. I think that they probably cut it short. Uh, if they were planning on a second season, I don't think it's happening. And I think that everybody involved in it probably was kind of miserable at this point, because although I think they believed in making a good product, I think they quickly realized that they were not going to make a good product and that it was going to suffer in a lot of ways. Whatever artistic vision they had definitely didn't come through for me. For instance, when we got um, Ai's story in the episode with uh, with Momoi's story, where she was dealing with the trans man, uh, Kaoru, Ai's story with her professor doesn't seem to fit neatly into that narrative. It seems sort of shoehorned in because they lost whatever episode they planned on building around that reveal. Um, and we get the reveal in this episode, which is another kick in the <laughs> something. It's a kick in the something because a kick in the teeth, maybe. Um, I, I don't dislike the fact that they made Koito kind of posthumously into a monster herself. I think there were hints all throughout that she was not on the up and up. But the fact that she is not even there to defend herself and there's no... There's no like, there's no digging into her character. We're just told straight up by Mr. Sawaki that Koito had a history of of sort of like attention grabbing behavior, of trying to uh, be a homewrecker of sorts uh, in her previous school. She tried to start a thing with one of her teachers, and he was so disgraced by the accusations and the hoopla surrounding it, that he committed suicide, and he had a family. And this was apparently was also happening to Mr. Sawaki, and we found out Koito didn't even kill herself. She was being careless, putting on one of her acts, claiming that she was raped and anything else. He described it, by the way, as anything else that popped into her head, some terrible things that popped into her head. And she was putting on she was putting on a performance outside and uh on the rooftop and she fell when no one was looking so nobody knew that she just slipped and fell except mr sawaki everyone just thought she committed suicide and uh i i want to get your thoughts on this because it's just it's not a great it's not a great way that this came about you know the whole i mean the whole reveal <sighs> there's so many things to to jump on we're getting all these reveals in what should be flashbacks, right? I mean, this barely feels like... I don't even think the the title of the episode has been um, displayed at the point that we find out all this sort of back, back material. What are we trying to... Who's... What, what, <laughs> if if you're wondering why Don is speechless... <laughs> What? Why on earth are the directors trying to um, clean up Mr. Sawaki's? Like they, they're removing any ambiguity of him. He is now completely a white knight. He's seemed to do nothing wrong, 
right? Um, it appears that uh, Koito is totally just a bad actor. Um, she has a prior history. Uh, she doesn't even commit suicide. No, and this is what's interesting to me, and that this is all about I and how she perceives Koito and how she perceived her friendship and what it meant to her. Because I think it's supposed to be um, that, yeah, Koito was never her friend because when she comes back, although she forgets I as all of the uh, people who were saved by our um, main cast, all of the people who were saved, including Chiemi and Momoe and Rika's, the people they were trying to save and did save, uh, they don't remember them, as we as we kind of thought that might be the case. They don't remember them, and somehow it's a super cruel reveal because I remembers her. It would be one thing if I also didn't remember Koito anymore, but I remembers everything, and she's sort of cursed with this knowledge that they had a friendship. And when she tries to talk to Koito after having gotten this information from Sawaki in a previous episode at the, at the museum, I'm assuming is when he told her. Yeah, that's, that seems right because she came to see the exhibit and he has painted I as an adult and said, she's growing into a beautiful woman, you know, all the sort of heartwarming sort of nice things you might. And she still asked him at that moment. And we've been waiting for that answer and we finally get it. And it basically confirms that, Koito was was a bad actor, as you said, and um, and what that means, I think, to the show is that I had this performative friendship that was a lie, and I think if you look back at the series, you'll see that I was in a closet at one point, videotaping something for Koito, and she felt uncomfortable about it. And I think that if we go back to that scene, it was probably Koito trying to set up Mr. Sawaki with some kind of evidence that I refused to videotape because I says she's sorry she couldn't do it and Koito seemed to be leading to something there ah yes Uh, it's possible Koito took her own her own uh jacket threw it in the mud as we also suggested in this show that maybe she was sort of setting these things up in order to uh, appeal to the same kind of kindness that Mr. Sawaki was showing I, the same kind of kindness she admits or sh- when she's with her new friend, she seems to look at derisively as sort of like a pity that he showed I, not as like a genuine kindness for a girl he saw value in, but someone who became his muse for a moment and because of her uh, deformity or whatever you want to refer to it as, but I wouldn't it seemed it to have, it seemed to have a negative connotation in Koido's eyes. I thought when she is describing the situation to her friend and her friend sort of like offhandedly says like, like kind of like laughs derisively to, at her at I, because I, I obviously looks like a crazy person when she comes up to her and starts acting really familiar and saying that she brought her an umbrella in the rain. And if none of that happened in Koito's memory, yeah, I could kind of see why she might think guys a little bit off. It would be a but... little bonkers, right. And so I think that was an interesting conceit, like, you, hey, you rescued this person, you went through all this personal growth, and in fact, the connection you had with them is severed. Uh, that's an interesting plot twist, but to what end was it supposed to make our heroines uh, draw closer together? Is it supposed to um, have them come to some greater realization? If so, we lose that nuance. Yeah. There's a couple things that lead me to believe that they are trying to say something. I'm not sure that they got it completely across. I'm going to point out that, the relationship that I thought she had with Koito is important because she realizes that she does have it with Neiru, even though Neiru is apparently not a real person or not a real human. Um, but when I remembers being in the rain and having Koito bring her an umbrella, the, the next thing we see is I running into the rain. 
and there's no one there to give her an umbrella. And she's desperately at this time in her moment of, of pain and confusion, she's calling out to uh, uh, Nadu, who doesn't answer the phone and doesn't reply. And I guess we should talk a little bit about that, but we found out early on that Nadu uh, left her pet mouse, Adam, with I, told her to take care of him, and then she just vanished. Which we would later find out, sorry, excuse me, which we would later find out is because she cannot exist in a world in which Iru exists. There can't be two Neidus. So she, and I don't really understand the convolutions of this. <laughs> yeah, I, there there was some stuff that I could not quite follow. And maybe in Japanese it came across. I don't think it did. <laughs> But if she's some kind of a uh, parallel version and not just an AI, uh, that might make sense. But she's only ever given, she's only ever explained to us as an AI that Kotobuki, the real Kotobuki, not the one that we met in the, in the dream state, or I guess it is the one we met in the dream state. I don't know. But the Kotobuki of this world was killed by Neiru, but there's another Kotobuki sitting on the couch looking right as rain who says that she came to this world because uh, the Kotobuki of this world is gone. So Kotobuki in the real world is a brilliant scientist who created an AI based on Aidu and who's a real girl, a real human girl. And Iru became jealous of her and tried to kill her by stabbing her in the back. And that turns out to be interesting in that it's it almost acts as a parallel between as, as to what happened. It, it sort of acts as a parallel in it sort of acts as a parallel to what happened with Frill and Himari, where Frill became jealous as an AI of the human who is getting attention, who was a better version of her, maybe. I think that that makes it a little bit more clear what the intention behind Frill was, uh, what they were trying to convey with that, in that if if it's sort of like a, a mirror opposite, and there's evidence to suggest that it might be because Frill seems to reach, like Frill sends all three of her, of her pep squad to deal with Neidu in a kind of cool moment, but then... Nadu's like, uh, Frill immediately appears to her and says like, oh, well, we should be friends because you're just like me. And so I think that scene sort of underlines the fact that what we were supposed to get from the Frill stuff earlier in the series was that she became jealous of hu- of the human girl, of of the potential for for humanity and and killed her and I guess tried to kill her when she was in the womb with the mother. Um, and then Iru is the opposite. Iru is a human who became jealous of an AI for being a better version of her. What does that mean? I have no clue. I have no clue. You want to? You guys want to tell me what it means? I have no clue. But um, those parallels are there. So I don't think they were meaningless. I just so think that maybe. I- where was Help I going with any here. of this? <laughs> yeah, that's the th- that is the problem here. So, the larger narrative arc we have is that we we uncover all sorts of secrets. The secret, the biggest secret here is that Nehru is not human. I don't fully understand her exodus subsequent to rescuing her quote unquote sister. Uh, because clearly they existed together before, and it was the human that became jealous. So I don't understand then why Frill sees kinship with uh, <sighs> Nehru. Okay, I think I'm getting it. All right, so assuming Airu killed herself after trying to kill Neidu. That means that Neidu replaced Iru. 
not in a rules of science fiction sense, in a sense that she just started living the role that Airu was supposed to inhabit. And so when Airu returns due to Neiru's bringing of her back, Airu resumes being that world's Airu. The slot for Airu that exists yeah, in that world. including being president and, you know... Of the company. Yeah. Neiru no longer has a place because she can't be Airu anymore. So... I mean, Ida's a bitch. <laughs> we barely even see her, or I may have gotten confused when I saw her and then assumed she's cold. She was... She's mean. Uh, she has no sympathy for Nadu. She says "adios," which is, I mean, I guess they were giving her an ethnicity. I'm not entirely certain what that was all about, but but Nadu has made an impact on Tanabe, the secretary, who's seems to be on her side. And although, and she does reach out to Ai at one point, Tanabe does, and reveals that she wants to show her what happened to Neiru. But that's a weird scene too. But before we get yes. to that, I just want to mention really quickly that Neiru has a scene where she's talking to herself and she uses her slippers as some kind of... Right, well, they're, they're, it's the conversation between the slippers as a proxy for her own internal monologue. Yeah, it's a very interesting, uh, not so useful choice. Well, it's very human. Yeah, I like that about it, certainly. I like that she said that. It's very human for her to do that. Um, I, th- I think, I, I think we, we were meant to like her a lot. and In some ways, she supplants Ai as a main character. Like, she's got more agency in very in a lot of ways yeah and i i do i did i I don't think the show did her right by having her sort of go with um frill to be human again if that's what she did i mean it doesn't really answer that question at all well i i how do we know that that's what happened they only show nadu again very briefly laying in grass like she was some kind of fairy tale princess waiting for her prince to come and kiss her. Like there's no, there's no, the the whole scenes that take place in that sort of between realm, they're very abstract now because I don't think they had the budget or time to animate them. Uh, They take place in sort of this like river. There's no details on anything, including the the world around them, and and I think they're meant to. I think they they did mean to parallel those scenes with the ones of I running through the rain, because when I runs through the rain, all the detail in the background fades out, and it's just rain. It's just I in long in a long shot that that mirrors what we see with Koito, I mean with Neiru. Yeah, that that does feel intentional, but it also feels cheap. <laughs> when the episode begins, it actually begins with a music video, which, again, I don't know what it's supposed to mean, but uh, the music video is to the song Animos, which is uh, the third song on the EP by the voice actors unit that sings the opening and closing themes, Anemonedia. Right, that song works nicely, and it leads into something which confused me. And I want to know what you thought of this because it shows the scene from the episode twelve where she says, "I wasn't alone anymore. I'm going to become a warrior of arrows. I'll bring you back. I promise." And then it cuts to Kirara stealing an eye from Eye. That's right who has two different color eyes. She steals the blue one. She says she likes the sparkly things or the, the shiny things. And I thought this was interesting because in in this version of it, and I, I didn't go back and look, but in this version of it, it's the real eye who loses her eye and then wakes up crying out of one blue eye. And then they cut to, and, and I always thought it was the other eye that got killed or got attacked, but they cut back to her. Suicide. They cut back to her 
Um, and it shows the eye with just the X of, um, of hairpins. And it shows her just standing there looking over the fallen eye. The other eye, the one we know, the one with the triangle. And she's having a conversation with, um, with Frill. Or no, not Frill, Kirara, who says like, aren't you stupid or whatever it was. No, no, that was later. Hold on. Anyway, I wakes up and it's our eye, I think. But we were told that she was never supposed to lose an eye. That's right. I had forgotten about that stuff. Like, oh, it's fine. Except for your eyes and your... There was something else. Your eyes and something else. Your head, I think. Or your brain. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Or maybe, no, it's eyes and heart. It was eyes and heart. The two things that you can't lose. But she lost one of them. She she didn't keep her eye on the prize. I mean, I thought we would I thought we would make it past that particular joke, but no. You dragged it dragged it through the mud to get us there. I did. I really I set up this whole episode just so I could deliver that joke. I couldn't help but wonder if that was like a, a switcheroo, like the ninja log in so many bad like anime where like the ninja disappears and the the knives go into a log instead. Oh, um, the substitution jutsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that Naruto that you're pulling that from? That is Naruto that I'm pulling that from. Got it. Yeah, it's in a lot of things, um, but it it kind of felt like that to me, where I, I really wasn't sure who was attacked and who had lost an eye. But well, it, it could have implications to why she behaves the way she does in this episode and why eventually she goes back. Um, but anyway, gosh, what else is there to talk about? Um, I mean, so I was very confused about that whole switcheroo and it got to the point where it's not clear to me what keeping track of it does, right? Like if, if one of the eyes lost her eye, but then we never follow that eye again, are we following one in a different parallel world? Did oh that, that was be, one question I had too. Is it possible I, that that our that we are now but we're still following Triangle Eye, but has she supplanted XI in her world, which would also explain why she doesn't know. Well, it doesn't really explain a lot of things because she's still friends with her other parties, but yeah. she's not friends with Koito. If the intention was, and I thought that this might be a possibility briefly, if the intention was that the eye from our timeline with the triangle barrette was now in a different timeline in which she never met Koito, that might have made sense to me. Like everyone might have been transplanted into a new reality as opposed to those girls being brought back. They were actually shifted into a new place. However, what is that? Why, why is she still friends with those girls? Why is she still... Right. She'd have to be displanted from everything or they would also have to be um, going through the same alternate reality. And and if that's the case, if that was the setup, then I would think that that, that would lead to more episodes. Because you would think that they would want to get back to their reality. But why? I mean, so, all right. This is one of those things, like, if you're compressing down to one episode, maybe stuff got lost in the shuffle there. And they just didn't have time to flesh things out. And so it got it got lost. Um, it does have yeah. merit, though, this theory. Because it also explains why Rika is, is almost... is is suicidal (laughs) like she's hurting bad that she that she's not remembered by chiemi and that she lost her her turtle mannen now it's weird that the that the pets had this much of a of a of an emotional connection for the girls considering what a short time period it was that they had them and how little there was of them in the series 
but they might have been representative of something else, you know, like, I don't, like you said, innocence lost, but like something, something that was, that was theirs, that was part of them. Maybe the, the pets were a part of them and having it severed from them is the thing that could propel them into this new world. Yeah, but that didn't happen to I. It didn't happen to I, but she lost her <laughs> eye instead. I guess, but she didn't actually lose her eye, so... But those pets never existed in the real world, or did they? Yeah, they existed. They exist in the real I world. I guess they did. This is a hard... I mean, I'm I'm not stretching we're, too far for this, but I'm saying that, really... like... We're trying to make things work that just don't seem to is the un- it, and this is the this is the challenge that you and I both knew inherently after we watched those episodes how difficult this would be to have it make sense. Yeah, and and I liked the fact that they showed the girls as they showed I really dealing with the the loss of of someone she thought was her best friend. Um, and also seeing that some of the damage done to the friendship of the four of them, especially Naidu. Who was not a real person to begin with. Yeah, it just wasn't going to go away so easily. Like, there were fractures in that friendship due to them continuing to go to these machines and get these eggs and fulfill their fulfill their quests. And in doing so, it sort of drove a wedge between them. Like, we see them at karaoke together, and they seem okay, but there's something slightly distanced about them. And Momoi just doesn't want to get hurt again. Like, Enrica calls her a coward, and things get really heated between them. Yeah. But also, I do feel like the friendship, you know, the, 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 the quartet is, it's severed. And Momoi doesn't show up again. No, there's a scene where she kind of like smiles when they're on the the subway riding home. And it feels very final somehow. Like she's just like they were friends and now they're not. And that's how life is. You know, it's a bunch of bubbles in the soda pop. And so, yeah, but again, what is the larger meaning? Like we were talking about. I mean, they're friends that pre-teen suicide. Right, and... but they're friends that bonded over their their pain, and that yes. pain has dissipated, or has it's it been, though? Well, I mean, like the type of pain that they were going through, of specifically losing these people, and not understanding it, and not understanding, and and having to deal with death at their age, that pain seems to have made way for a new type of pain. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I look at Rika, who, you know, she was trying trauma. to... Trauma. How about we just say trauma then? Fine. Trauma. But let's look at Rika, who was trying to bring back somebody who she didn't know. I mean, who had devoted... Rika was essentially saying, this person, they wasted their life on me. That's not what they should have spent their life doing. And so she went out there to rescue this person. But honestly, it doesn't matter all that much if this person knows her or not. She was she was sort of an un... Yeah. You know... It was Rika's own personal sort of uh, quest to be something bigger than the petty person that she was. And she achieved that. And yet now she's suffering a crisis of confidence when she is the one, in my mind, who would be the most redeemed and the most have the most calm after this result. Because, you know, it doesn't matter if she, what is it? Ma- she, um, I can't. Chiemi likes. Chiemi. Uh, Macarine now more than Rika in this new in this new reality, right? But and there could be some interesting things that they were unable to do there. I mean, what if she's treating Macarine the same way she was treating Rika in the sense of giving it all away? That's not that wasn't the reason that Rika brought her back. But nevertheless, Rika can doesn't she doesn't need to have a connection with Chiemi. She it's didn't strange, have a though. It's before. strange because they feel this. They feel this empty space next to them, almost like Chiemi has moved on to stand for another. Haruka fell in love with another person. Like, 
And Momoe is left wondering, like, what what were her feelings for me? Like, if this person was willing to die for me, and now I'm nothing to them, what does that make me? Like, what does that make anything we did? Um, Enrica just at that scene by the water is just brutal. She just says she wants to die because she wants to see her her she wants to see Chiemi again. She wants to see Mannen again. She wants to she wants to go back. <laughs> Yeah, but there is, I mean... But there is no going back. She grew up. Well, but but did she? I mean, she was the one in the most unstable situation to begin with. Like, it's not like she had a... I guess she had a loving mother, but loved in her own way. So, I don't know. I... She literally wants to go back, too. She wants to go back and start doing the eggs again, or, like, go back and meet the Akas, but they won't even let her in. As and that saw. seems unfair too. Why are they letting anybody else in? Like, why is this still going on? Oh, at the end, I have no idea. I have no idea if that's even real, buddy. I have no yeah, idea and, if that's real. And Frill's still kicking around. Like, I'm sorry, but Frill and her menacing demon army, Frill's like, oh, I like you, uh, Nehru. Let's go be friends. And this problem is resolved? That That makes me think that Frill... And them, they were never meant to be more than sort of this this dark presence that exists within this like dream that we've been watching. What this, this reality? The this reality that comes to kick them in the face. This reality that comes to kick them in the face that death has consequences. That it's permanent. That you can't just go back. That you can't just get what you want. The universe what? doesn't work that way. Nehru got what she wanted. Nehru did not get what she wanted. She's resurrected she her friend, want? but she lost her place. She lost her. She lost she, who she says she, is her best friend. I then go well, but you go back and you look at the fact that she, um, she recognized that she had freedom. She could be selfish. This is when the rabbits are talking to each other. She chooses to go on this path. She does. She does. That's true. I'm not saying that there wasn't growth for the kids. There was. So you did, in fact, talk about one of the issues that we, or you touched on one of the issues that we haven't talked about, which is that um, I and Nehru have some sort of tortured, missed connection thing going on where, um, and I'm not really sure why I refuses to answer the phone when Nehru calls. Um, Why do you think so? Because I I kind of have theories about that, but I want to hear what you think. This is a podcast. Hit me with them. Oh, I mean, on the very basis, on the most basic of levels, I think it has to do with the fact that she she was hurt by Koito's friendship, by the idea of friendship. When we first meet her, she has shut herself off to the world. She had a huge loss in her life. Uh, it was her only friend. As we found out through episode 12, without Koito, I would have killed herself. So this super messy and quite ugly at times friendship was the thing that saved her life, but it also damaged her incredibly badly that it took an entire series for her to sort of come back to herself. And when she sees what's happening to Nadu, where Nadu has basically consigned herself to the same fate as Koito in that she's in this death state. It it presents, I think, it presents to I this challenge like, will you fight for friendship again, knowing that you might get hurt, knowing that this is going to get messy? And I don't know if she's, you know, I think that when she gets that call... what's the answer to that? She's still she's, she's still reeling fight. from that. I she's guess, not ready to fight. But, she's ready to give up, and she does give up. And yet she recovers. And but she recovers on her own. No, did you notice why she recovered though? Okay, she so she goes school. off. Let's. She goes to a new school. She's not wearing her signature clothes anymore. She's moved on. She's not wearing the um, the himawari the yellow. the sunflower hoodie and. She's at a new school and uh, she doesn't contact Momo or Rika anymore. They've sort of grown apart as friends do. But then 
she overhears a conversation that echoes one she had with Neidu right before Neidu disappeared. It's almost exactly the same, where they talk about how it's getting colder and it's going to snow. And that reminds her of Neidu. And it, it's sort of this wake-up call that she had a friend. And they may have, she may have given up on her at one point, but she's not lost. And so she immediately starts running. And she runs all the way to the Akas, if you're to believe what we're seeing. <laughs> and, and they're waiting for her with eggs, like a whole bunch of eggs. And it feels like that she's just going to start this process again. Right, but to do what? Is she saving? Is she saving Nehru now? What's weird is well, how is Nehru calling her? Could she have received a call from Koito? I don't know. And she's not even human. So is she like? Is Frill is still it, alive? Like Frill went with her, right? Yeah. And like, did the Akas just give up on that? Like, I thought the Akas' goal was to bring Himari back, but that also didn't equal anything. Yeah, good point. And the, but they were also supposed to. Like, stop Thrill, I thought. Thrill was uh, the warriors of Thanatos. Yeah, was that just a, was that just a kind of red herring? Was that just like, uh, was, that, was that supposed to be youthful, girlish dreaming? And like, it was never going to be what the series really was about. It was just sort of this like romanticization of, of the struggle that they were really going through, which was... And my friend told, tells me that the the processes of grief, as we have come to understand them through pop culture, are no longer relevant in the world of psychology, that, that it's a much more uh, nuanced and more expanded version of those. Of the five those sort stages of, like, of grief or whatever. The five is. stages, yeah. But I, I would think that, you know, Wonder Egg Priority probably stuck more closely with those stages. I don't know. Do you think you could apply the five stages to everything we saw? Like what's the stage after uh, I need acceptance? To remember what they is are. it is the stage after acceptance like trying again? <laughs> no, the stage after acceptance is just acceptance. She's moving on. Like because <laughs> I doesn't move on. I comes back and tries again. I mean, I, uh, I. But the other I, girls. I move very on. much struggle. Yeah. I, well, the other but girls we don't do even move know, on. They move on, but are they in good shape? Like. Not necessarily, but I don't think death is clean that way. I don't think anyone comes out of it fully in good shape. I think that you come out of it and you're alive. But the problem is, at the end of it, no one died. The only person who died was... um, Because we saved all the people who committed suicide. (laughs) We did I saved no one. (laughs) Well, okay, we, being charitable, the girls saved those people who committed suicide. Yes. And Nehru saved someone and then took herself out of the occasion. She wasn't even a real human. Which begs another question, like, what, the, what is this um, corporation that creates this fake girl who is a good enough stand-in for a real girl? And then, like, what, what is the purpose of creating these automatons? I have no idea. They never tell you what the actual goal of Japan Plati was. I assume it was some kind of, they were just working with AI and they discovered this between place because they were probably digging into the concept of consciousness, like how, how brains can be stored, how, like where the soul comes from. Like that had to have been part of what they were doing because they eventually end up putting themselves in machines and, and they wouldn't have done that if they didn't think that that was like a type of living or maybe they're just doing it. Like it would have been a cool ending, I think for the Akas to sort of dissolve themselves at the end after they've, after they've resolved Frill's dilemma I mean, we don't even know that they have, but go on. Let's assume that they had. So yeah, what is the point of the Akas kicking around now? There's no point. I don't know. I don't like the whole (laughs) ending feels like it's completely just a Band-Aid stuck on a bleeding gash wound at that point. I, I just, I like the fact that the girls move on. I like the fact that it's not a clean ending. 
I don't think it needed to be quite as messy as it was, but I also like, there's this one scene where it, it, it cuts to the, it cuts to like a, um, a pack of cigarettes and like a lighter and I takes up a cigarette and she's about to smoke it. And she kind of gets like a smell of it. And it's like, she has second thoughts, but clearly she's looking for something to replace to, to like distract her from these feelings or like she's looking for a coping mechanism or something. And I think that that search is very indicative of her journey through the episode in that she runs away and she comes back and it's a really cheesy way to come back to because she's like, I Oto, I is back baby. Like that's the feeling it has when she says that. Like it does. It feels like a complete just deus ex machina ending where we dropped in the, we dropped in a happy eye from the beginning of episode one. Like is this cycle is rebooting. I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I I like the fact that she's going to fight for a friend that may not even be there for her. She also has this whole thing where she cries on her mom's lap and that sort of is, it sells us on the idea that she did something bad by throwing away her phone, that she turned her back on her friend when her friend was in need. We don't even know why. But also, Nehru wasn't taking her calls. Yeah. Uh, we don't even know why Nehru was calling. You don't even know that it wasn't Frill holding the decapitated head of Nehru calling to gloat or something. And you that may know. be what it is. It may be, in fact, that. Yeah. The Akas don't seem to have a clue either. They said, what if she doesn't want to see you? I don't even know what the fuck that means. <laughs> I know. It's so maddening. I don't know what the fuck that means. What does it mean? She doesn't want to see you. Is there, like, does she have an opinion still? Is she like, is she still the Nehru we know? <sighs> but we don't... She's a robot. What what do we even know about her? If you just take what they gave us, what did it all mean? What is what is, what is this episode trying to <laughs> that's, say? That's the problem. When you step back, what is the larger message? And I'm like, I, I don't know. It, are we do are we warriors against that? Did we defeat an evil enemy? Did we did we solve the problem of um of suicide, the the sweet embrace of of death here? What have we done? We don't even seem to... We're still breaking eggs. We're still, like, going back to break more eggs from Ura Aka and Aka, who are terrifying. Death sucks and so do I. <laughs> that, so that therein lies the real, like, weirdness, where it's like, I just don't know what I'm supposed to... Because there, there does feel like there were themes. It can't just have been a bunch of people, like, brainstorming cool ideas... And then they get to the 11th hour and they're like, we can't tie any of this shit together. That can't be where we are at. It's possible that they were competing ideas of what this story was. And that in the end, whatever it started out as is what won. Because if this is a coming of age story, I kind of feel that. It is it though? Like, what? I mean, it's strange that I goes back. I think it would have been a more poignant ending if she is reminded of Nehru cut to black. <laughs> like this, if you hear the conversation, she pauses, she thinks cut to black, no going back to the Akas. No, none of that shit. Yeah, Just I, cut to black. Cause you're not, how would it, what does it even know? Fucking back? soundtrack song at the end. Just cut to black. That's it. That's all we get. I mean, there are some really heady issues that they could have explored here. And it feels like they just, didn't um you know not i think that, it, i mean in movies yeah. you don't like a character like frill isn't always supposed to be like a big bad thing that's confronted sometimes there's just evil sometimes there's just things that are beyond human comprehension in the world things that exist in in a realm where we where we just don't have understanding we don't have a we don't have a foothold as <laughs> the human brain doesn't have a foothold in the death state. Um, I thought they were saying you're, you're something grander about, something, about it. You're, you're talking about basically like Cthulhu or basically the, the, the unspeakable horrors that mankind cannot even confront. And you just have to sort of accept that they're out there and try to avoid. I wouldn't them. say anything as dramatic as Cthulhu, but yes, like, but why not? I mean, that's essentially what we're talking about here. Frill's, um, Frill's minions were absolutely unstoppable. 
um, terrifying, capricious, mercurial. I mean, and and we have no, and Frill, Frill didn't even necessarily seem to be directing them. No, she was giving marching orders is what it felt like, but... Kind of? Why? Mostly because they were referencing back to Frill? Frill yeah. would be unhappy if... One thing that or... became apparent is that the girls killed themselves or died of weird accidents, and I don't think Frill had anything to do with it. Well, now we especially know... Actually, this is a good point you bring up. Koito clearly was not influenced by Frill or anything else. Was not even... She wasn't tempted by death. She fucked up. She was messing around and, you know, and found out, right? She, she, she just... Yes, yes. And you know what? This is a good thing about this episode. This is good because I didn't like the idea that Frill was out there murdering them. Like, I didn't like that as a, as a development and they undid it. <laughs> they didn't replace it with anything, but they undid it. And they said, you know, girls, these girls... They were in a, they were in an age when maybe they, they just were overcome with these emotions and they had these snap judgments and they just made some bad choices and it, it led to their deaths and their untimely deaths and like it happens and it sucks. I, I guess, but then but like I'd rather fought, that be the ending than we fought all these this like, murderer. You're killing me. Why did we fight all these weird things that caused these other girls to commit suicide then? What is all that? What is all that indeed? Yeah. <laughs> I watched a hell of a lot of it for it to mean absolutely nothing. It doesn't mean nothing, though. I mean, even even just metaphorically or allegorically, it it definitely, as we were discussing, was part of the healing process of the girls we did know. But whether it had any impact, whether the things that are actually happening mean anything outside of the girls who they are happening to or adjacent to in that I'm talking about Rika, Momo, uh, Neidu, and I, whether those actions mean anything outside of that, whether it's just sort of a like a ghost gets their unfinished business dealt with which is something you could probably say about those uh wonder killers is that Um, what you can say about them i think that i think that what they are is they are ways to deal with the lingering issues that the girls have the trauma and the and the own their own ideas of self that have been challenged by these losses all right but taking a step back from that why do we okay but to abstracting a step back from that even if they are post-death metaphysical constructs why do we need to defeat them at all for their own soul's benefit i do not know again i don't know if i want to take the series literally but it it does feel like a literal text at times so i'm kind of stuck in the middle like if this final episode had committed to the idea that you know that that this thing that happened feels like a dream now like if the girls had been like if the girls had sort of like met again years later and were like it just feels like a dream now i'm not sure it even happened it could lead you to the interpretation that this was all some sort of like this was all some sort of process they were going through that maybe they all needed to go through it and it happened, but it also could have just been this fantasy or this metaphor that, that, that we believed in because we saw it, but they didn't necessarily experience it the same way. So we're going in circles a bit. So let's step back just for a second. I think if we are, I I think the show is messy and we just need to leave it messy. Um, yeah, but that's I, fine. But I, you still you still look at David Lynch movies and you go, okay, so what did 
this guy turning into this other guy in a jail cell mean? And sometimes you're missing the context. Like I didn't get the context for that in Lost Highway until like five years after I saw the movie. And I thought it was messy when I first saw it. But then when I heard the explanation or what was intended behind it, or at least the the sort of like ideas that were present when he okay, was constructing I, those scenes. So I, I definitely need to hear your thoughts because that never clicked for me. Just so we know, just so we're clear. Oh, but uh, if it's so he, deeply, he would later no, say no, no, that no, no, it was no, 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 that is not uh, this show. We are. Not he would into later. That now. He would later. He would later come out and say that it was about O.J. Simpson and how he could. Um, uh, what was it called? Psychological fugue state how he could dissociate from himself and almost become another person that was capable of committing those crimes. That's the idea behind what he was putting out there. Now, I didn't get that for five years until after I'd already seen the movie. Until you were explicitly told. Right, but it was there and I could have seen it. I could (laughs) have. If I'd thought Uh, more about it, if if I'd somehow seen the patterns of the artist. That's a bit of a... Or, in fact, I'm going to take it back. I'm, it's not a bit of a stretch. That is a stretch. What do you mean that's a stretch? I mean, you can try to figure out what the meaning is supposed to be, ex- assuming that there is an explicit meaning being communicated, that the author, that the the creator has a meaning that they wish to impart. Well, the difference is that there's one David Lynch sort of guiding that ship, and this one seems to have multiple people taking well, it in yes. different directions. That's so one yes, problem. I agree with you there. Uh, and David Lynch, David Lynch did not w- was able to fully realize many of his visions, whether or not we fully understood them. Yeah, it feels like he did everything with I- explicit intention. Even and if he sometimes he was not, yeah. he didn't get hung up on, you know, somebody didn't say to him like, sorry, your 12 episodes are now one episode, make it and walk out the door. Although technically he did not finish Twin Peaks until 25 years after but the he original finished it. Date. And you're being pedantic, my friend. I, I am trying to say to you that I think if the creators had some greater How meanings dare here. you. <laughs> Unfortunately, they are lost. They are certainly lost on this poor viewer. And uh, they may, you know, I'm happy to uh, wax poetic on what they might have meant. But it's, it is a, it's a dumpster fire slash train wreck and we're not getting there. Interviews or things to really understand it. And appreciate it. And I would I would prefer if meanings were not so kissing or were more easily teased out. I think the world agrees with you. I I looked at people talking about this episode and the 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 disappointment and the anger was palpable. Um and and like I said, I I don't have an answer as to what it all means. I only have ideas and places where I can connect lines to other lines, but there, there is no through line given what I currently have. Um, but I, I still would recommend watching the series um, because I think there's enough here to go on that. And I, I think that a lot of people found, found the, they found the aesthetic appeal of it more intoxicating than the actual narrative. It at, has, a, it's, at the end. it's pretty stylized and I enjoyed that, but the characters I I, are lovely uh, where they just strand them in the end kind of hurts <laughs> because I mean, you, there are some you really genuinely the like show, them. But I, I cannot recommend that anyone watch a show. It's just like at the moment, don't go read J.R.R. Martin's novels about, uh, I forget, the song of G. Whatever R. it is. Yeah, not J. Sorry, I'm confusing Tolkien and, and yeah. uh, Martin. <laughs> I think he confuses them too sometimes. Well, but the whole point is <laughs> Tolkien wrote and completed his stories, and yes. Martin has not. And no. the, the lack of completion 
is a major thorn in his side. And unfortunately, it's a major thorn here because neither, you cannot argue, no matter what else you argue to me, you can't argue that this is a definitive finish to the series. Well, this was, you have to wrap it up. So just slap some stuff in a blender and pour it out on celluloid. Okay, but it is the end and it is finished. I don't know if it's what they wanted it to be, if they set out to... I doubt they set out to tell this exact story in the way that it was told. But if we look at everything that's here, I feel like there are enough pieces to sort of start tying some of it together. And maybe over the years, uh, I doubt people are going to be talking about this for years, but maybe only as a big disappointment, (laughs) like... Like the belly so flop that it was, like sort of like a video of a person getting kicked in the nuts. But yeah, I I don't agree with you. I I think that this is woefully unfinished. Well, it's not. It's not the best version that it could be. But I would say that if they put the end on it, that they feel that it's done. Well. Just because you feel something is done doesn't mean that it was done in a way that makes it qualitatively done. But maybe the the fan outcry will lead to a movie. Maybe it will lead to another special or more content. Maybe they'll just walk oh, it man. back and There's just so tell a different story within this universe. I don't know. There's so many other stories I want people to extend or or satisfy before I want them to come back to this. And there therein lies the rub. Oh, it is disappointing. It is disappointing that it was so, it was so possibly good. Anyway, guys, I I hope you enjoyed me jumping over myself backwards to try and piece this together as something worthwhile. Um, tell us what you and thought of the ending. I hope you enjoyed ending. me trying to methodically rip it apart. I think that you were you were kind to it in some cases, and you did you did put up with some of my more out there theories and uh, and explanations. I I do feel like um, I don't really understand why we need it to be robots and AI. Like it it doesn't add anything to anything to me. Uh, in the end, I it's it's maybe it's the medium by which this magic thing happens. Like they create a science that's, that's capable of bringing people back from the dead and, and accessing parallel worlds and conjuring these little, these dead children as eggs. Like maybe that's, what's important about the AI, but I do not see why the story had to go that way. And that, that will be my disappointment forever with this series is that it doesn't make sense why Neidu is AI, even though she acts like AI. It would have just made sense for her to be a test tube baby who was raised in isolation or raised outside of a social circle. I, I just don't think Frill adds much to it in the end, and I don't think she does either. Because they don't really do anything with that. But if they come back for more, if they come back for a second season, maybe we'll, we'll I'll eat all my words and they'll be like, it'll be an amazing ending. Like if this was just the pause before like another season, it's kind of a like, it's kind of like I's gonna get the team back together. I's not giving up. She's gonna go after Frill. I I I should. If that were the case, would you would you think that? I would be. I'd have to watch a second season. I would be stunned at whatever that would happen to be. I I can't imagine picking up from here. I mean, it is a good place to drop off though. Like if, if they were to do a, a second season, I feel like they, they did leave it on a cliffhanger, but like kind of like an uplifting one. I like, guess oh, I, I was going back. I don't see I didn't it. give up. Like, but she's going to assemble the Eros no. warriors and go and fight. What? They're not battling. Frill's not fighting. No, no, no. Presumably they would battle in this version of the story. They would fight for Nadu. But who are they fighting? No one's stopping. It's the search for Spock. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Okay, that's all for Wonder Egg Priority. I have nothing more to say about the series. I thought it was good with signs of being better than it turned out to be. Next up is going to be Beastars. Dawn, we're back. I can't wait. I'm bringing back the Chariton score report. 
Uh, I just put up our new um, our new uh, ID picture, our new profile picture on Twitter. If you guys want to see, it's basically the old um, rabbit and wolf silhouettes with our um, Okushina podcast colors. And uh, Beastars season two. Jesus, been so long. <laughs> to think that we started this podcast time. as the Cheriton School Report. And to the Cheriton School Report, we shall return. Okashkui? Akashki? What? Okoitia? Akoito? Ochita? Okashko Ikoyo! Oh no, I've fallen off the building accidentally. Make a whole series about me. podcast of all time this is champs in the making where we have made a bracket of every pokemon that has ever existed and are putting them up in battles head to head one-on-ones to scientifically find out the best pokemon every two weeks we gather up an assortment of hosts from the orange groves and cut a bloody path through the pokedex come listen to me defend the rights of crustacean-based pokemon is a perfect little baby and i will not stand for anything else Decidualize the best fucking Pokemon because he looks like Robin Head. Shout some about why your favorite Pokemon is the best. Put them forward and insult Ambipom every two weeks, only on the Orange Groves. Uh, Puchina is the best, and my friends already knocked Mightyena out, which I'm sad about. So now we're truly just living on the edge. Hey, Raven. What's up, Fantast? Do you like anime? I sure do. Do you have a limited amount of time in your schedule due to demands of capitalism? Unfortunately, yes! Well, I have the show for you. It's called Weebkin Warriors. Oh yeah! It's that podcast where you and I come together every Thursday and talk about anime that are 24 episodes or less. That's right! And you can find us on the Orange Girls Podcast Network or your podcatcher of choice. Have, have a good, good Weebkin! Weebkin.